You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for making us part of your nights and being a part of the Elk Point Baptist Church live stream. My name is Michael Moose, and I will be giving the message this evening. That being said, I'll just get right into the message. We're going to be in the book of Psalms this evening, Psalm number 22. Psalm number 22, and with Resurrection Sunday coming up, I, be, I believe this is a great psalm to look at because this is the psalm of the cross and the crown. It's literal prophecy that was fulfilled at Calvary because Psalm 22 is actually a picture of Jesus Christ and what he went through at the cross, what he went through at Calvary. Because in the Old Testament, it's actually a picture of what's to come in the New Testament. It points us forward to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the central person in the Bible. And Calvary is the central place in the Bible. Everything that happened in the Old Testament points us forward to Jesus Christ and the cross. And everything that happened in the New Testament points us backwards to Christ and the cross. And that's exactly what we see right here. We see Jesus Christ suffering for us a thousand years before it even happens. Psalm 22 is a picture of what Jesus Christ went through at Calvary. And we see that in the New Testament. Because this psalm in Psalm 22 is actually a commentary on 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Now that statement there, did signify, means that the Spirit of Christ did keep on pointing to. So basically in the Old Testament, it kept on pointing to what's to come at Calvary. What was to come with Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us? Not only that, but the fact that he was going to rise again the third day as well. Because the whole theme of the Old Testament was blood redemption. And the scriptures kept on pointing toward the Lamb of God. And that's exactly what we see right here in the 22nd Psalm. We see blood redemption and we see the vicious suffering that Jesus Christ went through for you and for me at Calvary. And I want to look at that this evening. Because Psalm 22 highlights the suffering in a very vivid way. And it's been said that the psalmist here actually gives a more vivid description of the sufferings of Christ on the cross than the gospel writers even. We see right here in Psalm 22, the emotional pain, the hidden sorrows, as well as the physical pain also. And so I want to look at that because Jesus Christ suffered in many ways, and we see that here in Psalm 22. Now there are four areas of suffering that he went through. We see that he suffered from the hand of God, from the heart of Israel, from the heathenistic attacks of Satan, and from the horrible death by crucifixion. And we see all of that right here in the 22nd Psalm. It's Psalm 22 where we see those famous words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it's Psalm 22 where we see a glimpse of the pain and humiliation that Jesus Christ went through as described, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joints. My heart is like wax. My strength is dried up. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me down into the dust of death. In Psalm twenty-two sixteen, they pierced my hands and my feet. You see, the 22nd Psalm is pure prophecy. It's tremendous proof of the inspiration of the scriptures. It was written at least 1,000 years before it was fulfilled. And in Psalm 22, we actually see 33 distinct prophecies that were fulfilled at Calvary. And I want to look at those this evening and just get a picture of what Jesus Christ went through on the cross for us. 
And that's what we see in the first 21 verses. We see the Savior's suffering and the grief that he went through at Calvary. Because in these verses, we see how Christ suffered tears for the salvation of sinners. We see how he suffered in those four areas. Look at verses 1 and 2, if you would. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silence. In those verses, we see that he was abandoned by God and released by sovereignty. We see those being fulfilled in Matthew 27, 46, those same words when Jesus Christ hung there on the cross and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, we'll never know just how much Jesus Christ suffered on the cross, but here's an interesting thought. For the first time in eternity, Jesus became separated from his father on the cross, became separated and released by sovereignty. And we see that right here in these two verses. We see that God would not have him. God would not help him. And God would not hear him. He was released by sovereignty, abandoned by God when he bore our sin and our shame at Calvary. That's the first suffering. But not only that, we also see that Jesus Christ was rejected by sinners as well. He was abhorred by men. And we see that in verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. You see the rejection there. He was rejected by his very creation. And we see that being fulfilled in John chapter 1 verse 11 when the Bible says, he came unto his own and his own received him not. You see, he came into a world that was created by him, but the world knew him not. He was rejected. Now look at that verse once again, John 1 11. He came unto his own and his own received him not. Now those two words own are interesting. They have two different meanings. The first own means possession. He came unto his own things, his things, because the world was not strange to Jesus Christ because he's the one that made it. It was his creation. He came unto his own possessions. He came into the world like an artist would come into his art gallery. He came into the world like a carpenter would walk into a house he had built. He came into the world like an author that would read a book he had written. You see, right here we see that the world was his. He came unto his own possession, his own creation, but the world received him not. This verse shows his deity. This verse tells us that Jesus Christ is the almighty, sovereign God. The world was his, but the world received him not. Now, the second own there means people. He came unto his own creation, yes, but his own people received him not. He was rejected by his very creation. That's the second suffering that Jesus Christ went through. Not only that, we also find out that Jesus Christ was ravaged by sin as well. Look at verses 14 and 15. Notice what he went through, ravaged by sin. The Bible says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joints. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. You see, he was ravaged by sin and ravaged by shame in that instance. But what amazes me about this entire thing, about the death of Jesus Christ, is that he did not have to do it. He did not have to do that. He was ravaged by sin, yes, but it wasn't his sin that he was ravaged by. 
You see, Jesus Christ lived 33 sinless years on this earth. Jesus Christ could not sin, but right here we see he was ravaged by sin. Now, why is that? It's because Jesus Christ bore our sin. He was our substitute. He bore our sin and our shame at Calvary. We see that in Isaiah 53, and we see that all throughout the New Testament. Now, notice what Isaiah 53 says about Jesus Christ being our substitute. Because he bore our sin and our shame at Calvary. He was ravaged by your sin and my sin at Calvary. In verses 3 through 7 in Isaiah 53, we see this. In verse 4, he bore our grief. He carried our sorrows. In verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. And in verse 6, the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquities of us all. You see, in these verses, we have the word our five times and the words we and us one time each. You see, everything that he suffered for was for you and for me. He bore our sins, our shame, and our suffering at this place called Calvary. He did that for me, and he did that for you. We see that in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, he was ravaged by your sin and my sin at Calvary. He left the glory world to enter into a sin-cursed world to become sin for me and for you. He did that for you, and he did that for me at this place called Calvary. He bore our sin so we could bear his righteousness. He would go hungry so we could be fed. He would go thirsty so our thirst could be quenched. He would be beaten so that we could be blessed and he would be stripped naked so that we could be clothed in his righteousness. He did that for me and he did that for you at this place called Calvary. We see the sufferings there. He was rejected by sinners, ravaged by sin, released by sovereignty. And not only that, we also find out he was rent by the soldiers. Look at verses 16 and 18, if you would. The Bible says, For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. You see, those Roman soldiers tortured him beyond recognition. Those hounds of hell, those dogs pierced my Savior's hands and feet in verse 16. And they parted his garments in verse 18. You see, Jesus Christ was deserted, reproached, emptied, humbled, pierced, and put to shame at Calvary. And I can't even begin to describe the pain that he went through. You see, Jesus Christ went through six hours of humiliation and suffering on that cross. Remember, his back had been scourged. His face had the hair plucked out of it. He had been smitten, and he had experienced the crown of thorns on his head. Now in the heat of the day, he hangs on the cross to die the most agonizing death that was ever known to man. You see, it was a place of vicious suffering. The cross was the most terrible picture and all of human history. But you see, Psalm 22, <laughs> it doesn't end there. The first 21 verses, it highlights the suffering, the shame that Jesus Christ went through. But look at verse 22. Verse 22, we see a change. The Bible says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of my congregation will I praise thee. Kind of a different picture there. You see, the first 21 verses, 
we see the pain. But in verse 22 and the rest of the chapter, we see the praise. He goes from suffering to a song. We see the Savior's song there in verse 22. Notice the glory right there. We see grief in verse 21, but then in verse 22, we see the glory. Here we see the agonized prayer turns to an ardent praise. He who was alone in his sorrow is accompanied in the psalm. Now it's the same voice, but, but not the same notes. It's the throne in view now and not the cross. You wonder what that's talking about? That's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It speaks of Jesus Christ rising again from the dead because he didn't just die for us. He didn't just bear our sins, but praise God, he rose again the third day. He didn't just die for us. He rose for us, amen. He presented his blood. He rose again, and because of that, we've got victory in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ's sacrifice at Calvary, God turned tears into triumph. God turned darkness into lights. God turned suffering into splendor. And God turned glory into glory. Amen. And I praise God for the day on October 21st, 2001, when Jesus Christ humbled me and I walked down and knelt at an old-fashioned altar and gave my life to, that lo to my Lord. Because in that moment, man, I became a new creature. Hallelujah. Hey, I was saved by the grace of God. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me now. And praise God, now I've got the victory in Jesus the same man because what Jesus Christ went through at Calvary and what he did after the fact when he rose again the third day and that's what we see here in Psalm 22 we see it going from pain to praise we see him from 22 to 26 those verses there the Lord as our priest because he doesn't just save us no he's seated at the right hand of God now and he's intercessing for us on a daily basis we see because of what Jesus Christ did at Calvary, because he rose again the third day, he is now our intercessor. He is our advocate, our propitiation, our mediator, our comforter, and our savior, amen. Because of what he did at Calvary, I can now know him personally and powerfully. I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've got Jesus Christ living inside of me, and I now have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hey, he sticketh closer than a brother, and he's in my heart, in my life. He loves me, he listens to me, and he leads me, and that wouldn't have happened if he didn't rise again the third day. We can know him personally, and we can know him powerfully because of that resurrection. The Bible says that the same power that rose up Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that works in you and me. You see, he is our priest. And we see that in verses 22 through 26. But not only that, we also see the Lord as our prince. You see, Calvary has ensured that the Lord Jesus will not only be a redeemer, but he'll be a ruler too. The now rejected king will one day rule over all the earth. Because Jesus not only reveals God's love, but also his might. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now look at verse 29. The Bible says, All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. We see him as a ruler in that verse. Now this is the stern counterparts of the gospel message of look and live. Right there we see in verse 29, And none can keep alive his own soul. This verse tells us, there, that there is no salvation out of Jesus Christ. There is no salvation aside from accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
We must hold life and have life as Christ's gifts, or we shall die eternally. You see, there are not many ways to heaven. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ paid it all. He rose again. He's seated at the right hand of God. But we've got to accept that gift of salvation. And I praise God for the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. But if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, now is the time to do it.